Cool. Well, let's pray and um, let's give it to Jesus. God, thank you so much. God, thank you for a great Sunday today, God. And we just look forward to uh, hearing your word today, hearing your truth, Jesus. And God, we just ask that you speak in such a clear voice to all of us, wherever we are in our lives, God, that you have a specific message for each one of us today, God. And so, God, I pray that you open our eyes and our hearts and our ears open to your word today. Even if we're questioning, questioning it, Jesus, we just ask that you help us hear your word today. And God, I also want to just thank you. I pray that you bless everyone here who is going to be giving and who calls this place their home, Jesus. We thank you that the finances that come in have just going on and outward to reach our community. So, God, we thank you for the impact that you're doing and going to do, God. And we just look forward with faith, and we just say, Jesus, have your way in all of it. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I hope you guys got your coffee this morning and your... And your treats this morning, I call it second breakfast. When you guys come to church, get your second breakfast. I was talking to someone saying we should have bacon. I agree. Because you could smell bacon down the road. And people were like, what is that smell? And the people usually follow the smell, right? Especially if it's good smell. So I was like, hmm, bacon might be something that's coming down the pipe. That would be great. So I hope you guys all had a great week um, I hope you guys had a great summer. I hope you guys had a vacation. I hope you guys slept in and ate junk food this, this summer. I hope you guys did something new. And uh, I hope it was restful because this week we start off again. It's back to school. Here we go. Right? Yeah, parents, woo! Kids, yeah. No, back to school, back to routine. I'm looking forward to Sundays being here. It was a great summer, but this place is definitely a place that we can call home. So this is just to be a great season moving forward. So before we kind of, well, I'm going to get started, but I'm going to have a question. Is that who has ever gone bungee jumping? Nope. <laughs> nope. I was like, nope. <laughs> who has ever gone bungee jumping? Wow, we should do like a missions trip <laughs> to a bridge. No. <laughs> Who has ever wanted to go bungee jumping? We have, okay, okay, at least there's some, okay. And Bradley, yes, and Ashton, their hands are up high. You guys can go and demonstrate how it's done. We'll watch from a side. The reason why I ask is because as you guys know, and some of you may not, we are from British Columbia, and down south in that province, there's a place you can go bungee jumping. And there's a bridge that you would go, and, and it's all professional, and so there's a picture here, but the cool part is, is that you can see it from the highway. So as you're driving the highway, if you look at the right moment, you can see someone jumping. And you can see them go, and then they disappear, and you have no idea of the end of the story. And it's always questionable. I wonder what happened to that person. We all know. They're fine. But you sometimes wonder, they just disappeared into the bush. So there's a place that we... I was like, does New Brunswick have places for bungee I have a nod. Well, that just solidifies a missions trip to that place. All right, I will Google that, and we'll figure that one out. Now, there are two stages, in my opinion, for bungee jumping. Stage one is that you are strapped in and you're standing at the ledge. That is number one part of bungee jumping. Number two is stepping off the ledge, okay? Stepping off the ledge. Those, that's all you have to do to go bungee jumping. You have to get strapped in, you stand there, step two, God make the step. Now, your faith, imagine it like that cord. 
So you went, you got up to that bridge, you paid your 500 bucks to just jump like a crazy person, and now you're strapped in by a cord, and you're standing there. You are putting all your faith into that cord. That's why we haven't gone bungee jumping, right? You're putting all that faith into that cord. That cord, you're going, this cord is safe. This cord has me. This cord has been inspected by the province of British Columbia, by whoever is in charge of bungee cords. There is nothing wrong with this cord. I'm putting my faith into this cord. Okay, with me? Your faith is like that with Jesus. Okay, so now you have this cord around her ankle. We're saying, yes, I have faith in Jesus. Yes, I know him as my Lord and Savior. I have faith in Jesus. Amen. But with that cord around your ankle or with your faith in Jesus, it actually doesn't activate until you take that step. All right. So with bungee jumping, you have to choose to take that step. Now, you can stand there all you want and say, I was strapped in, guys. I was there at the bridge. And they're like, yeah, and? And I was strapped in. And? That's all I have to say. (laughs) And then so they're like, "Mm, that's lame. But now you could say, I was strapped in, and I stepped, and I thought I was going to die, and I screamed bloody murder, but I survived. And they're like, yeah, that's awesome. Let's go, right? Now you are bringing an experience together, a life experience. Think of our faith like that. We have faith in Jesus, right? But moving is your first action of faith. Faith can't happen unless you move First, you got that cord on you, and once you take that step, the cord is now activated. I was told, because I was like, man, I just feel like I'd slip through those holes and I see Jesus really quick. But I was told that when you jump, when you bungee jump, the cord tightens. That, like it's strapped, but once you let go, that's what activates the cord, the pressure, the, the tightness around your ankles. That's how you bounce a few times, and you're fine, and and everything, and your body cracks, and it feels good at the end of the day, right? But moving is your first action of faith. Faith can't happen unless you move first. Jesus lived a life that was bold. He lived his life against the current. He went the opposite direction than what society was doing. He was noticed because of what he did, what his actions were, what he spoke. And we hear and read stories of him calming the storms, healing the sick, and raising the dead to life. We hear stories. Scripture is full of individuals who live their life by faith. And for example, there's a few that you may recognize. For example, Noah actioned his faith to build an ark when it's never rained before. Joshua actioned his faith and prayed for the sun to stand still so he could defeat a battle. David actioned his faith and defeated a a giant that no army could defeat. Peter actioned his faith by stepping out of the boat and walking on water. And Paul actioned his faith by traveling and sharing the gospel when he had the risk that he could be killed at any second. When we choose to live in the impossible... To be bold in our lives, God makes it possible. 
Jesus said to his disciples, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. And Hebrews 11:6 it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Let that sink in. It is impossible to please God without faith. We can stand there and say, I got my strap on. And they said, and? You're like, that's all I got to say. Right? It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. And then he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's good. So this month, church, we're calling this series Bold. Calling it bold to live the impossible. Today is a bit of a part two from last Sunday. Last Sunday we met here in the evening. Last Sunday we did a bonfire and tube mania. And Kimberly's not here, but she took out the guys. Like, wow, there's pictures on Facebook. You can even see the proof of it. But we had a really great time last Sunday night. So listen to that. It is online, and it ties in to today's. This is like a part two um, about the life of Moses. And I'm going to do a brief recap just to help keep us going in that kind of topic. Last week, we introduced the life of Moses, um, that he was just a plain, ordinary guy, okay? If people were to talk about Moses right now, I'd be like, man, Moses was like epic. He was like the man. He did some insane, cool things. But before all that, he was a plain, ordinary guy. When we talk about Moses, what comes to our mind? Well, he was adopted by Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, Okay, that comes to our mind. Uh, God appeared to him through a burning bush. That's kind of like what we kind of remember of that story of Moses. God worked through Moses to save a lot of slaves, right? We know that kind of part. Moses, uh, he had a one-on-one -on -one conversation, hung out with God, and got the Ten Commandments. If that's the gist of you know of, know of it, that's all right, because that's the guy we're talking about today. The parts that we mostly miss about Moses is the negative parts of his life. Who wants to talk about the negative parts of your life? No, you kind of like shove that off in the corner. Right? You don't want to talk about it. But the parts about Moses is that these parts actually kind of tie us closer to who Moses is, the plain, ordinary guy. He was adopted into an enemy's home when everyone, all the babies, all the Hebrew babies were supposed to be killed off. He adopted one. Not really by plan, it just showed up at his doorstep in the river. And the, his, his daughter said, can we keep him? Like a puppy, can we keep him? Okay, sure. And so he lived with Pharaoh. He lived in the enemy's home. He was a murderer. He messed up. He killed a guy. He had, a, he had some anger issues a little bit about, and some injustice in him that was brewing. He killed a guy. He was not a good communicator. He could not talk very well, and he was a coward. He ran away from his problems. He ran away. And he, when he ran away, he ran away into a strange land. Now, when he ran away, he, he had to grow up a bit. He grew up, he did mature because he got married. It says he got married, he had a kid, and uh, he worked for his father-in-law as a shepherd. He was living a normal life. He ignored his past, right? He's living his normal life. Before Moses knew about going to Egypt to be God's voice to Pharaoh and to free the Israelite people from slavery, it says in Exodus 3 that Moses was leading his sheep into the wilderness and came to Mount Sinai. God was already preparing Moses. 
See, now we see that here, but in the future, when he has the Israelites following him like a flock of sheep, he went into the wilderness where he's already been, and he, was at, he goes to Mount Sinai again where he's already been. God was already preparing Moses for what his future is going to look like and how he's going to survive. What are we going through right now? What are our situations right now that we're trying to navigate and going, I don't know what I'm doing? We need to ask ourselves, what is God training us up for, for something in the future that we may need to lead others through? What is that? Things that could be festering in us that may bring grump to us right now or confusion to us right now. What is that that maybe in the future we're going to be the voice in the wilderness helping people see who God is? When we are unsure of the why now, let's be faithful and obedient because God is faithful to see his plans come to fulfillment. Today we're going to continue with the life of the example of Moses. And if you missed last week, go listen to it online. This part of Moses' life takes place when they arrive at the Red Sea, the epic story of the Red Sea, when Pharaoh is chasing them and all doom is going to happen. So we're going to read about it. We're going to read Exodus 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it, but it's also going to be on the screen. Exodus 14, and I've been practicing how to say these locations, so I'm going to sound professional. I'm going to do my best. Chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 1. It says, Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back, turn back and camp by Pihahiroth between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal-Zephon. Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there, as they were told. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot, called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh and the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel, who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all horses and chariots and his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pi-Hahiroth, across from Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? I love this next part. It's just a lot of complaining. Here we go. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out, Lord. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't he tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? 
We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Oh my goodness. But Moses told the people, guys, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, will ne you will never see them again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I can just imagine Moses, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just chill out. Just breathe. Calm down, guys. Shh. Then the Lord said to Moses, now here's the next part. He said to Moses, the leader, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. I like that. The last few verses, they are complaining. I have complained before, and I think I've sounded like that. Never once I used the word corpse in the wilderness, but I have complained before to God. But that's, that's a line, yeah. The Israelites are freaking out, saying it's better to be a slave in Egypt. Remember, the Israelites were the ones complaining to God while they were slaves. Moaning and groaning is what scripture says. And now they're saying, uh, put us back in that because this is worse. Moses tells his people to stop their complaining. Don't be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Moses was reminding them of God's promises. The Lord will fight for you. The perspective that we need is to stay calm. In other words, it may be our job to cross over, but it's God's job to see us through. It's not up to us to figure out those details. We need to trust in God, and he's going to make the way. God didn't want the Israelites to physically stay still, because yes, they would be slaughtered. If they chose, the cord is around my feet, I have faith, but I'm not stepping forward, I have faith, they're going to get slaughtered, right? But to rest and calm their minds, to let God work and not dwell on what was humanly impossible, but to live the impossible with bold faith. Moses was a great leader. His people were freaking out and doubting everything that has happened. Moses encouraged them to watch God move as he's going to rescue them. Moses had a positive attitude. Good job, Moses. I bet in his mind he was a little bit panicky, but he led well. Now, to be honest, guys, when crap hits the ceiling and we start spiraling and questioning everything that's going on, Let's take our cue from Moses. Be positive. Be encouraging, especially if you're working with people or leading people. And look to God, who is our Father, who loves those who seek him. He will fight for us. Moses went to God and cried out. So he just did the speech to all these people saying, just breathe, guys. It's going to be okay. Then he went and go, oh, God. Help, what do I do? Right, it doesn't actually say that, but it says that he cried out to God. 
So whatever he's saying, he's crying out. I believe it's for help. What's the next step? And what I love next is that God tells him to stop it. We always taught saying, go to God. Yes, I'm preaching that right now. Go to God. But in this case, God says, stop it and get your people moving. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide it, and walk. Stop whining. Stop complaining. Move. God has been showing up day in and day out before this situation at the Red Sea. Right? Plague after plague. God's miracles. Right? God's power. And all of a sudden, they're at the sea, and it's like, what now? Well, God's going to continue to fight for you. That's not ending. And he did. Now, here's the part is prayer is vital. And we see that through the life of Moses and throughout Scripture. Prayer is vital. But there is also a time for action. We cannot use prayer as an excuse to not step forward. Sometimes we know what to do. God has already shown you the way. But we pray for more guidance because we can't see farther out than what we're being shown. Right? God has already shown you what he needs to show you. He's already given us the answers that we need to know in that moment. But we pray for more guidance because we may not have all the answers or maybe it postpones us to step out in an area that may intimidate us. Whatever the reason, if we know what we should be doing and we feel like we are praying about something and maybe there's silence, maybe because God has already given you the answer and your next step is to step out. Extraordinary moves of God begin with ordinary acts of obedience. <clears throat> I think of back to a time, my earliest birthdays, and I was really probably maybe five, and the jump, sh the jump suits were in. They're back now. I'm not trying to age myself, but they're in again. And I remember wearing that to one of these birthday parties that I was so pumped for. And I remember waiting for my friends to arrive. I was confident that they would show up, and I was confident they were going to bring presents. Because that's what you do to a birthday, especially if it's my birthday. I'm the one receiving those presents. I'm confident my friends are going to bring birthday presents. I also knew that there would be some, some, some surprises because I had not seen the cake. I knew there should be a cake because that's what you do at birthdays. There will be a dessert of some kind with candles. Not these days, but then yes, candles. I expected that that was going to happen. Have I seen it? No, I have not seen it. The same thing with goodie bags. I liked to, then I gave goodie bags to my friends. My mom prepared those goodie bags. I didn't know what they looked like because sometimes I would get one. And I didn't know what they looked like, but I had a feeling that they would be there. I had an element of faith or anticipation of what will happen at my birthday party, even though I did not know all the details. I had a firm trust that it would all come together. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I hope for that cake. I hope for those presents. And it happened. 
It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I did not see the cake, but it came. I did not see the gifts my friends were bringing, but they came, right? We can be confident in Jesus, and we can be assured that he will take care of us. How do we know that, you may ask? Well, the beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. That he is who he says he is. Now, if you don't know that, the next first step was to ask Jesus into your life, and then you get to know who he is. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we can believe in God's character, that he is love, that he is grace, he is forgiveness, he is our creator, those are just a few things. Once we get to know God as our Father, we can put our trust in Him. The end point is believing in God's promises, that He will do what He says. We see that with Moses. We see that with the Israelites. We see them at the Red Sea. God will fight for them. Just believe in me. There's another story. Um, I remember my dad worked a lot on the road, like weeks and weeks traveling. And when he would be on his way home, he would call and say, Caitlin, on Saturday, we will get up nice and early for our McDonald's breakfast, and then we will go rent the Little Mermaid on VHS, and that will be the plan for the day. He told me that that was a promise. I believed in his promise, and it happened. Simple. The same is with God. God the Father, what he says, he will do. In Psalms 145:13, for your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule throughout all generations. Not just the generations of when the Israelites were in slavery, not the generations of when Jesus just walked on the earth. All generations, this generation and generations to come. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. Hebrews 11, that whole chapter, Hebrews 11, is a faith chapter. Just, if you want to, read it. But Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, verse 3, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. By faith. We didn't see him do it, but we're standing on it. We're living in it. That what we now see did not come from anything that we can see. Because God, the creator, created it. We have faith. We can put our trust in him. When we believe that God will fulfill his promises, even though we don't see these promises uh, materializing yet, maybe in our lives, we can then step out and demonstrate faith, believing for these promises to happen in our lives. God had a plan for Moses, even when he was unsure of who he was. God appeared in a burning bush and solidified who he was. In Hebrews 11, it says, again, that's chapter, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him from death. It started before he was born. It was by faith that Moses refused to be part of Pharaoh's family and chose to suffer for the sake of Christ. It was by faith that Moses left Egypt. It was by faith he did not quit while leading the Israelites to the Red Sea. 
It was by faith that Moses and God's people walked on dry land. It was by faith. Just like God called Moses to set his people free, he was unclear or uncertain of who he was or even his ability to lead. When I say lead to you, I mean it. I'm not saying that you have to become a professional, you have to go to school to become a certain leader and you have to be the boss of all this. You are a leader in your family groups. You are a leader in your friend groups. You are a leader in where you are when there's people around you. You are a leader. God sees all opportunities to make your first move and remember his promise that he is with us even until the end of time. That is a promise. When Jesus walked the earth, he spoke instructions to his disciples. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are Christ's followers. We are his disciples. And he gave these directions to his followers then, and these are the same for us today. And it's found in Matthew 28, and you will probably know it, verse 18. Jesus says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and to be sure of this. Here's the promise. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, two, you can dissect that whole part, but two words I'd like to open up is the word go equals move. We go to work tomorrow. No, day off tomorrow. Just kidding. (laughs) Tuesday, go to work. You go to work on Tuesday. We go for walks. We go for hikes. We go to school. We go when the light turns green, right? The word nation equals people. Who are your nations? Your nations are at work. Your nations are at school. They are the people that you meet on the sidewalk and on the hiking trails. Nations are your neighbors, and they're those that you do sports with and hobbies with. I'm not talking about the nation of Canada. We can definitely expound that, but individually, who are our nations? That's where we go. Jesus is asking us to action our go so we can activate our faith to reach the nations. Then Jesus tells us, I am with you always. We don't do this on our own. We can't. That would be humanly impossible. But with God, we can. With God, we can. Moses led the Israelite people out of slavery where it was humanly impossible. Moses raised his arms up high and the Red Sea split and people walked to safety. What was humanly impossible was made possible by God because Moses had the faith. He knew God the Father. He had the cord wrapped around his feet and he took the step which activated his faith and made that move happen. To God, your uncertainties are opportunities for faith to be activated. Say it again. To God, your uncertainties, your doubts, 
your what am I doings, your I don't know what I'm supposed to do next, your unknowns are opportunities for faith to activate. Can we stand together? As we conclude today, this is a message that is a challenging message. I also feel it's an exciting message. My weeks have been a little bit gong showish, and Moses, the story of Moses, I never thought the story of Moses would speak to me, but he's speaking. God is using his word. So this, what I'm sharing today is definitely personal for me, but I'm also feeling that this is for, for each and every one of us. Where are we strapped? We're saying, yes, I have faith. I believe in you, Jesus. I want to take my next step, but my goodness, that step, I see nothing at the bottom. I see the unknown. I see nothing. But God is not asking for us to plan all that. He's not. When Moses was at the Red Sea, God told him to stop and just to move. That's the plan. Because God takes care of those details. We don't need to. We don't need to. So today, church, that's between you and God. If you're here today and your ankles are strapped, because that's you, you know your foundation is with Jesus. And that, that is fantastic. That is where this begins. That is where true life is found, is with Jesus Christ. And you have that in your life. You're like, yes, Jesus, I know you, and I want to know you more, and I want to follow you. But taking that step is so, so uncomfortable. Maybe you're here, and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You've heard about him, you're unsure about him, you hear good stories, and it's not like you have anything against it, you just haven't made the choice to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Well, today is a day that you can do that. You can do it any day of your life, but today I want to give the opportunity that you can do that today. And how you do that is by asking him to be your Lord and Savior, by saying, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. I hear your word, and today, Jesus, I want to follow you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know the details to it, but today, Jesus, I'm saying I want to go bungee jumping. I want to be strapped in, and I want to have the experience of my life knowing that you are in control, that you will fight my battles, that you will take care of me, that you will take care of my unknowns, and I don't have to worry about that because I know that my trust is in you, and I know that all I have to do is say yes. If that's you today, then this is for you. With all eyes closed, and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, or you want to recommit, maybe you've walked away and you're like, no, I need to come back. I want to recommit my life. If that's you, my eyes are open with every eye closed. If that's you, so I can see who I'm praying for, can you raise your hand to me so I can just see? I am not writing your name down. I see you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Yes. 
Jesus sees you. He knows your heart. He knows your past. And that means nothing for your future. I see your hand. Today, Jesus is calling you. And he's saying, let's do this. Let's do this. So I'm going to lead you in this prayer. Is there anyone else before I lead this prayer? Yes. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and I'm having a conversation with Jesus, and this is how you speak with Jesus. Simple. Just like I'm talking to you. Everyone here, let's repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you love me, that you chose me, that you see me. And today, Jesus, I want to be a follower of you. I want to be fully strapped in. I want to walk with you. I want to have faith in you. I put my trust in you. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your forgiveness. And today, Lord, I know that I'm clean. Jesus, come live in my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. You are a good, good God. You are a good God. If you said that prayer for the first time today, church, can we give them a hand? Because that decision, guess what? You don't have to re-say that decision again tomorrow. You don't have to go, did I actually mean it? Because you did. And now here on out, he promises you that he is with you until the end of time and that you will live with him in eternity when he calls us home. God, thank you so much for your word today. God, thank you that you are a God of the impossible. God, that where we see walls and, and chaos and we just can't see through what could even be possible, God, you just say, just be quiet and let's walk on. God, we thank you for your word today. God, thank you for showing us that Moses was just an ordinary guy, but he chose to be strapped in with you and take that step. And we, everyone here, can have a life like Moses and more. So God, today, I ask that you bless everyone here today, God, as they make their choices, make their decisions of where do they need to take that step of faith. God, I pray that you give them courage. God, I pray you give them boldness. God, I pray that you give them the ability to let things just drop and let them just clearly keep their eyes on you. In every situation that people may be in, God, we thank you that you will take care of it. We just need to obey you. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good God. As we finish, Daisy, do you want to lead us in a song? Sure. Um, there is no fear, because I believe. There is no doubt, because I have
God, be with us as we head out today, God. God, let us be courageous in your word, that we can rest in your promises, God, that what you say is true, and God, let us apply that to our, apply that to our lives. In your name we all say, amen. amen. If anyone wants prayer or anything, Brad and I are here, but coffee might still be on if it's not all had already. Have a fantastic week. See you next Sunday. Actually, tonight, 4 o'clock, Canal Beach. Then next Sunday. <laughs>